All right, Mark chapter 15, we got down through verse 33, 34, 35 last time. Uh, and I want to go back into verse 34 uh, just to kind of pick up a, 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 a one little letter detail here and uh, look at a few things as we uh, think about what's happening here at, at the cross. Verse 34, and at, that, at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And, and again, we looked at all the doctrine and everything last time. And this statement, uh, this cry, is, is found here in Mark and in Matthew 27. Um, and just as the Gospels give those four different perspectives, Matthew the king, Mark the servant, Luke the man, John God, and those four branch statements and four behold statements, the, the four Gospels match the four of the offerings in Leviticus. And, and I know there's five offerings, so don't write me an email. But the burnt offering and the meal offering go together. They're, they're linked. And so when you think about this and what's happening, the burnt offering, the meal offering, and the peace offering are sweet savers. Uh, there, the Ephesians, uh, if, you, if you look over there at Ephesians 5, Paul says it this way for us. Ephesians 5, verse 2, And walk in love as Christ also hath loved us and hath given himself for us, an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet-smelling savor. And that's what those first three offerings are about, uh, the burnt and the meal, the peace. And what they do, those offerings speak to, uh, to Israel being accepted before God. Now, there are two non-sweet-smelling savor, and that's the sin offering and the trespass offering. And those speak to the fact that the sin and sins have to be dealt with. So the sin nature has to be dealt with, as well as the sins, the activity, the fruit from that nature. So the two, the first three look to, to that relationship being accepted before God, and then the, the last two look to the payment of sin and the putting away of sin. So the burnt offering, come back there to Mark 15, the burnt offering talks about the dedication of Christ. The meal, again, burnt meal go together. They're actually, when you bring the burnt offering, you're bringing the meal offering with it, Leviticus tells us. So meal talks about the purity of Christ. It's fine flour with oil and so forth. The peace offering is just what it sounds like. There's peace now. So that's going to talk about the re restored fellowship that God's having with Israel. Then you have the trespass offering and the sin offering, and that's talking about the payment of sin and sins uh, and so forth. So in the Gospels, you have Mark 15, Matthew 27, and they quote the Psalms 22. And if you look here, uh, at Mark 15:34, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Th there's an issue, again, it, he, here is the, the, the sin offering. 
here's Christ being made sin for us, all right? Um, if you come over to Matthew 27, just to see where he says this again. And again, he doesn't say it in Luke, and he doesn't say it in John, because Luke and John are going to be dealing with the other. Uh, John's going to deal with the burnt and the meal offering, and Luke is going to deal with the peace offering. But in Matthew 27, if you look at verse 46, And about the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, that is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? So you have a little different there. You have a, a letter difference. You have Eli, and then in Mark you have Eloi with the O. It's the same word in two different languages, okay? Eli is the Hebrew. It means my mighty God or the mighty one. Then Eloi is Aramaic. It's the Greek. It's my God. So Matthew reaches in. Again, Matthew has the Eli, the mighty God, the mighty one. Why? He depicts the Lord as king, as the top, as the, the royal power. Okay? So this cry is this cry about governmental authority. And the Eli, Eli, he, this is going to be the trespass offering. Now, if you come over to 1 John chapter 3, it, it's important to, to, to catch what the trespass is. You see, it's the government that, that puts the, the, the law, the, the no trespassing sign up. It's the rule. What happens when you cross the and you break the rule? Well, 1 John 3, verse 4. Whosoever committeth sin transgresseth also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. So you have, again, four. Here's the definition of what it is to transgress, to trespass. Four. The sin, the the action that's going to go, what did I do? I just crossed the line. The action to go over and transgress the law. I, I, the easiest way is a no trespassing sign. There's a boundary set. You don't go across it. God made the law. He gave them the law through Moses. Don't cross it. Don't, don't break it. But what did they do? They broke it. They trespassed. So Matthew... Here he is, Eli, the mighty one, the mighty God. Here's the law. Here's, here's the line. You broke it. You crossed it. Then in Mark, Eloi, my God, my God as creator, here's his nature, who he is in his righteousness. And when you come back to Mark 15, that's... That, so now in Mark, what he's doing is in, his, in God, in Christ's nature, he's validating the activity of the, of the servant. Here's the actions. Mark 15, 34, my God, my God, why has thou uh, uh, forsaken me? I'm out here suffering because I'm doing your will. It's your will that I'm trying to accomplish that's going to be the sin offering on display. So one is going to look 
to the fact that Christ is made sin for us, that's Mark's cry, then the other one is going to look to the, to the motion of sin, what we're doing, what are we doing? We're breaking the law, we're crossing the line. So the nature and the action of the sins is what needs to be addressed. So in one, you have, here's who you are by the sin nature, the, 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 uh, uh, it's just who you are by nature, boom, there, man's nature. Then the other one is, is here's the fruit of the sin, of, of, of the sin, of the activity. So Mark, the sin offering, here he is, bam, and then you come over and you see in Matthew, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? It's the, all the activity, you broke the, the, the judicial law. Now, come over to Isaiah 53 and see why this is important and why we're kind of looking at it. Uh, after last week, I was rereading Isaiah 53, and it's in verse 10. There's a fascinating thing here to think about this as, as we kind of pro- progress here uh, and really why all this kind of comes up. And, and really what's happening in the Old Testament, in Leviticus, when you go back into Leviticus and you begin to look at those offerings, you begin to see something that the Father, you see in picture, in type, all right? You're going to see something that the Father is going to do to the Son in connection to Calvary, to Golgotha. There's things, these offerings are going to begin to point you to a time when the Father makes the Son's soul an offering for sin. And you begin to see that in 53.10. Yet it pleased the Lord to, to bruise him. Now the Lord here is Jehovah the Father. He hath put him, the Son, to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. So when Calvary shows up, he's doing, he's making his soul an offering for sin. Here's verse 11. He shall see the travail of his soul and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant Justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. In the offering, in the sacrifices in that we're going to go back in Leviticus here in a minute and look at, they are a picture of the things that Christ is going to go through and accomplish at Calvary. And what the, the Gospels do is just as they paint that portrait of him prophetically as Messiah, they're now going to paint this portrait of him as the sacrifice. Again, Matthew, the trespass offering. Mark, the sin offering. Luke is going to be the peace offering. And then John is going to be the burnt, which includes the meal offering. There's two in one there. So the trespass offering, that's Psalm 69. By the way, it matches up in Psalms. Psalm 69, the reproaches of them fall on me. Then you have the sin offering. There's Psalms 22.1. My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me. Then you have the peace offering. There's Psalms 118 where they're back in fellowship with God. Then you have the burnt offering and the meal offering together. That's Psalms 40 when he's preparing. That's where he says, a body thou hast prepared for me. 
the body. There's the meal offering, the purity, no sin, no guile, nothing wrong with him. And now we're going to go do thy will, burnt, 100% consumed. So you see the pattern in the four Gospels, and again, you see it really in the Psalms. And now, by the way, if you take those Psalms, Psalm 69, 22, 118, and 40, and you study those things out, you quickly begin, every, I think it was Sunday night we were talking, everything links up together. You just can't take one and pull it. It takes out. Now, you and I have a great advantage that none of the Old Testament saints had, and that's we have a completed revelation. And we can, go, we can take what Paul's given to us, and we can connect some links that Isaiah doesn't know. Uh, come over to Leviticus uh, chapter 1. And, you know, Moses didn't understand, but yet he writes about, and then you come over and you begin to look at it and you go back. So in Leviticus 1 here, we're, I, we're not going to spend looking at every offering because we'd be here forever. The outline of, the, of this book is really in two parts, the first 17 chapters, and that's the issue back, gets that foundation of fellowship, back to order, that deals with the sacrifices, and then chapters 18 to 27, now there's this walk of fellowship where he's going to separate out Israel from the other Gentiles, but it starts in Genesis. And in Genesis, in the beginning, you see man's ruin because of his failure, because of his sin. Then in Exodus, you see God redeeming his people from, the, from, from Egypt. Leviticus, now you see God come in and he's going to fellowship with his people. He's taken them out of Egypt. He took them out of Egypt by blood, the, the Passover blood, and power. Uh, that's the power of the Red Sea event. He's delivered them, he's, and he's now bringing them to himself. And now it's time to restore the fellowship with them. And he begins to, to deal now with the issue of their sanctification. Why, does, why did he redeem them? Why did he go through and do all of the, there's five testings after the Red Sea to, to prove Jehovah and Jehovah, those compound names. Why did he do all that? Well, to cause them to be a kingdom of priests and to be a holy nation in the earth, to represent him. So now in Leviticus, now he's going to instruct them on how to be that holy, set-apart nation, unique that their identity, their identi they're identifying with him, they belong to him, they're representing him before all of the Gentile nations out there. And that's where we're at here in Leviticus. And here in Leviticus, he's going to teach them how to fellowship with him. Okay? Now, fellowshipping with God in Scripture is nothing like what you and I think about fellowshipping. On Sunday morning, somebody asked me, why do you give us a half hour in between us so you can fellowship with each other? Well, when you do that, what are you talking about? You're talking about the weather, the sports, different things that are going on in life, okay? But in Scripture, that is not fellowshipping with the Father. To see the fellowship with God in the Scripture is to come and understand what the Father is doing to come to know what he's doing, and then as it says in Psalms, to now delight to do his will. 
Paul calls that godliness, godlikeness, to come along and to think like God thinks. And that issue of thinking like God thinks, that capacity to understand what God's doing, know why he's doing it, know what he's doing it, know our part in it, then come and rejoice in it and delight and to then go and to play the part that you're, you and I are designed to play in it. That's fellowship in the scripture. Okay, now again, the reason for the half hour is because I got sick and tired of hearing 15 minutes isn't enough. You know, I'm like, okay, well then we'll do a half hour, you know, because before we would start at 9.45, I'd get done at 10.30 and we'd be started at 10.45 and everybody, you know, oh, it's not long enough. I'm like, well, okay. Then we'll, you know, redo the calendar, redo the clock. It's okay. We can do that, you know. And we were, before COVID, we were, you know, 80, 90 people. And it was like, well, maybe we ought to have a third service, you know, do one first. And I'm like, dude, really, you know, how about y'all be here consistently all the time? And then we'll worry about a third service, <laughs> you know, come on. But uh, which we, we can do. But anyway, that that's Fellowship in the scriptures, giving yourself to be a part of what he's doing, delighting in it. So here with Leviticus 1, how do you have a nation qualified to do and to be, to walk in that fellowship with him? And it all is going to be based here upon these offerings and what Christ has done ultimately at Calvary. Now, Leviticus 1.1, And the Lord called unto Moses and spake unto him out of the tabernacle of the congregation, saying, Now, think about where we're at now. We're not on Mount Sinai. He's done talking there. He's given Abraham, or Abraham he's given Moses the tabernacle. He says, you go over there, you build the tabernacle, you got the outer court, the, the brazen altar, you got the, the wash basin, the laver, then you've got the, the you got the, bra, the the wash basin, the the laver, then you got the brazen altar, and then you got a then you go in, you got the table, the showbread, you've got the ark of the covenant, the cherubs. I'm going to meet you there. That's where I'm meeting you now, not over here on Mount Sinai. That's done. See, okay. Now he's going to meet. He's going to come over here and he's going to meet him here. So now he he when he meets with Israel, and think about this: it's God and a sinning people that are going to be brought back together, and it's brought back together by the blood on that mercy seat between the cherubs. Verse 2, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, If any man of you bring an offering unto the Lord, ye shall bring your offering of the cattle, even of the herd and of the flock. If his offering be a burnt sacrifice of, of the herd, let him offer a male without blemish. He shall offer it of his own voluntary will at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord. Now, there's some things there. Notice this is if any man. It's voluntary. So these offerings here are voluntary. The, by the way, where are they at? They're at the door of the congregation, of the tabernacle of the congregation of the people. See, we're not... There's this, they can come before the Lord 24-7, 365 days a year. There's no, see, things are just, they're not the way they used to be. Things are changing. 
And there's this issue of the burnt sacrifice of the herd. Verse 4, he shall put his hand upon the head of the burnt offering, and it shall be accepted for him to make an atonement for him. Think of, put his hands on. Paul, you remember Paul laying on of hands, and everybody gets this hokey idea that that's how you zap them with the Holy Spirit and all this nonsensical stuff. Putting on hands, it's talking about identification. He takes his hand, he puts it on the animal. That animal now just became acceptive for him. That animal becomes acceptable for the man. There's a transfer of identity to the animal. Now the animal is going to go pay for the man's transgressions, failures, sins. So now the life of an innocent is going to be given for the guilty. That's the picture. See? By the way, if you killed the guy, eventually you're going to run out of men to kill. Then you're going to run out of a nation. So there's a picture being drawn here. The picture drawn is, is that innocent is going to die for the guilty. Verse 5. And he shall kill the bullock before the Lord and the priest, Aaron's sons, shall bring the blood and sprinkle the blood round about upon the altar. This is by the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. He shall flay the burnt offering and cut it into his pieces. And the sons of Aaron, the priest, shall put fire upon the altar and lay wood in order upon the fire. And the priest, Aaron's son, shall lay the parts, the head and the fat in order upon the wood that is on the fire, which is upon the altar. Now, just think about that. They got all the pieces and everything. Now, watch verse 9. But his inwards and his legs shall he wash in water, and the priest shall burn all on the altar to be a burnt sacrifice, an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. How much is he burning? All of it. All, this is the all offering. All of it. The offering that is all-inclusive. Everything on there is burnt, nothing left. And that picture, that's a picture of that all-consuming, that complete and totality of it. Now, what you do, what you, you roll that over into John, which is the gospel, and what you begin to see here is you begin to see that the fact is, is that the Lord Jesus Christ was completely and totally consumed with doing and accomplishing the will of the Father. So he's gave himself completely to that event. That's why Hebrews 10, the volume of the book, you got a body prepared for me. The sacrifices, the completion of it. So the burnt offering is complete dedication of the Lord to the Father's will. All right. Now what happens is, come over to chapter six of Leviticus. So because there's, here's. It's interesting. Chapter 1, 2, 3, and 4. Here's the boom, and then you come to you get more information in chapter 6 on the burnt offering. You're going to get it on the trespass offering, the meat offering, and so forth. Verse 8. 6 8. And the Lord said unto Moses, Command Aaron and his son, saying, This is the law of the burnt offering. It is the burnt offering because of the burning upon altar. Now watch, all night until the morning, and the fire of the altar shall, burn, shall be burning in it. 
And the priest shall put on his linen garment and his linen breeches shall he put upon his flesh and take up the ashes which the fire hath consumed with the burnt offering on the altar and he shall put them beside the altar. And he shall put off his garments and put on other garments and carry forth ashes, now watch, without the camp unto a clean place. This is why he, this is in the outer court. It's not, that's why when you think about that tabernacle, the burnt offering and the lava washing is outside of the walls. They're going in. That's why Calvary Golgotha is outside of the city. Verse 13, the fire shall ever be burning upon the altar. It shall never go out. This is, that's the verse where they get the eternal flame idea from, okay? By the way, the first burnt offering was given by Cain and Abel in Genesis 4. When God had respect under Abel's offering, how was it consumed? A fire came out of heaven and scorched it. Look over at chapter 9 of Leviticus. This is why Aaron's boys, I mean, I think about these guys. They're told, don't mess with the fire. You keep the fire going. So then they let the fire go out and they get the Bic lighter out to give them, you know, get it lit again quick. And, uh, they're, you know, they're, they're toast. Well, then I think after that I wouldn't want to be a priest. I think I'd just stay home. <laughs> let somebody else do that. Uh, chapter 9, verse 24. And there came a fire out from before the Lord and consumed upon the altar the burnt offering and the fat, which when all the people saw, they shouted and fell on their faces. By the way, and Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took either of them his senses and put fire therein and put incense thereon and offered strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. And there went out a fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. You'd think the other boys would say, okay, we're, we're done. We retire. Somebody else can do this job, you know. I mean, you just, but they don't do that. My point is, is that th this is the first sacrifice right here. And he's, God lights the fire of acceptance on the sacrifice. And that fire is never to go out. It's to burn all the time so that, and again, part of the priest's job was to keep it going so that 24 hours, seven days a week, 365 days a year, all the time, there was the opportunity for anyone in Israel who needed to offer a sacrifice. The fire of God's acceptance was there already on the altar ready to go. It, again, it's in the outer core. It's away from everything. It's outside of everything, and but it's always available. That's the point here. All right. Now, just FYI, there's all, there's also some you know other things that are gonna. Every this is done first. I was getting ahead of myself because there's a. There's some money involved, but that's down the road. Then there's another off. This is done in the morning. The burnt offering is the first sacrifice done of the day. It's done before any of the other off sacrifices. 
all of the other sacrifices of the day are based upon the burnt offering. Well, everything that's accomplished by Christ on, at Calvary is what? The very foundation of everything else that's happening. So all that he accomplished is based on the burnt offering, the dedication, the faith of Christ, his faith in his Father's word and plan, his faith, his obedience of faith to, that, to his Father's word and plan. That is the foundation of all, of everything. And it starts with the burnt offering. It's right there. Now, come back to chapter 2, because now we have the meat offering. The meal, uh, you know, it's the meat offering, okay? This one here, I, again, this isn't beef, chicken, or pork. Sorry. It's, it's well, look at it, verse 1. And when any will offer a meat offering unto the Lord, his offering shall be of fine flour, and he shall pour oil upon it and put frankincense thereon. See, it's, it's not beef, chicken, or pork, or shrimp. Sorry, pretty good stuff, but no. It's a meat offering, but it's a flour. Now, think about where does flour come from? The soil, the dirt. It's a crop, okay? Where does man come from? The dirt, the crop. By the way, come back to Genesis 1. You see it. See, when, what happens is, is people... Look at that word meat, and they instantly go to beef, chicken, pork, shrimp, all that stuff. And it has nothing to do with it. It has to do with the nature, the meat, the flour, the fruit of the ground. It's going to drag us back to Genesis 1, Genesis 1, verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree in the, feet in the earth, I'm sorry, and every tree in the which is the fruit of the tree, yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. That's what we're talking about, meat of the apple, meat here. Now, when you come back to Leviticus 2, there's three things in this verse. There's the fine flour, there's the oil, and there's the frankincense, Leviticus 2.2. 2. So don't let somebody tell you, see, meat, it's about the animal. It's, this one has nothing to do with the animal. This has to do with some nature, back to the ground, back to humanity, your nature as man. Verse 2, Leviticus 2.2. 2. And he shall bring it to Aaron's sons, the priest, and he shall take thereout his handful of the flour thereof, and of the oil thereof, with all the frankincense thereof. And the priest shall burn the memorial of it upon the altar to be an offering made by fire of a sweet savor unto the Lord. So he's going to take a handful. He didn't take it all. He's going to take a handful. Now, who gets the leftovers? Well, the priests do on this one. The peace offering, the guy bringing the offering gets to take it home. The priest gets a piece, but he gets a piece as well. 
So not every offering is completely consumed and burnt, and not every offering is always going back to the pre, Malachi 3, the storehouse issue. A majority of it is the storehouse, but, this, but the, uh, the peace offering isn't. So what are we going to do? We've got leftovers, verse 3, And the remnant of the meat offering shall be Aaron's and his sons. It is a thing most holy of the offerings of the Lord made by fire. And if thou bring an oblation of a meat offering, bacon in the oven, it shall be unleavened cakes of fine flour, now watch, mingled with oil, or unleavened wafers anointed with oil. So think about this. It's going to be mingled. It's fine flour. It's not coarse. It's perfect. So we're talking about the humanity of Christ. That's what we... The, again, the fruit of the ground, that's where man came from. He's the last Adam. He's the second man. He's, every, he's the last. He, there he is. So we're talking about the humanity of Christ, and it's going to get mingled with oil. Well, who does oil represent? The Holy Spirit, the olive oil, and so forth. So you're going to, there's a mingling of Christ's humanity with the Holy Spirit. Now, we've already seen that in the Gospels. When, the, when John comes to baptize him, what do we see? We see the Spirit descending in the form of that dove, and then we see the Father say, my, my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. And what do we do? We have the Lord anointed with the Spirit. Luke 4, he's anointed with the Holy Spirit. Then there's the frankincense. We're going to mingle it. We're going to frankincense, the complete dedication. So what you're seeing with this, with the burnt, total complete dedication, and then with the meal, again, together, you see the, the perfection of who he is, along with the total dedication for what he's got to go do. So the, in Numbers, it talks about the burnt and the meat together. When you bring the burnt, you bring the meat. And, and it's because that the nation... And it's that picture of the nation's dedication, but also now the dedication of the Lord. He was without sin. He was made to be sin. He, he was harmless. He, he was separate from sin. He's perfect humanity. Now, come over to chapter, well, you're in chapter 2. So, so you, you've got that issue happening. So John predict, uh, pictures him as that burnt offering, the complete dedication to the Father's will, His plan, His word, He's all in. But then He's also His purity of humanity. He's pure, without sin, no guile, no nothing. And again, it starts right there in the very beginning. The foundation of it all is in that burnt and meat, meat offering. They're together. Then you come to the next one, verse, uh, chapter 3, verse 1. And in his oblation be a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offer it to the herd, whether it be male or female, he shall offer it without blemish before the Lord. Now you have to notice something. It's without blemish, but what kind what is it? Male or female. Why? Because there's peace now. Before it's the male, the male, the male. Now it's male or female. There's no division. Everything's been put back together. And this is the only offering that once it's done, the priests get a piece and the person bringing the offering 
gets to take home what's left. And that's over in Leviticus 7. He gets to keep it and so forth. This is the only one where they're going to eat all together. It's a party. Why? We have peace. We have fellowship. The party is at the door of the, of the tabernacle of the congregation. They didn't do this before. Now they're right here. Why? Because they have peace. They're, they're going to, God looks at them and says, now you're going you're to offer the sacrifice. We're going to eat it together. And that's what's going to feed that table of fellowship that we're going to have. And you're going to do it with me. Now, again, he made peace by the blood of his cross. See? The, we're reconciled back together with him through the, his death. And that's literally, that's what's happening. Those three offerings are the sweet savor. Now chapter 4. Here's the sin offering. And there's so much more to say, but just time on that clock back there. Just Now, chapter 4, verse 1. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel, saying, If a soul shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord, concerning things which ought not to be done, and shall do against any of them. Now, notice something. Because... If a soul shall sin, that is a departure from the first three. Look at 3 1. And if his oblation be a sacrifice of peace offering, if he offered, chapter 2, verse 1, and when any will offer a meat offering, chapter 1, verse 2, speak unto the children, verse 3, I'm sorry, if his offering be a burnt. See, nothing about sin. Nothing about, there's no reference to sin. Now in 4.2, we have a reference to sin. Chapter 5, verse 1, and if a soul sin, here's the trespass offering, and hear the voice of swearing and, and is a witness. And so, so if a soul sin, now the first three offerings, it's just a voluntary thing. You're in it. You're good to go. Now we have a what? We have a sin problem. By the way, the first burnt offering is Genesis 8 with Noah. Noah comes off the earth, off the earth, <laughs> off the ark, get it right. And that's why he's seven of the seven clean things, you know, he's got that. Seven clean animals, seven by seven, offers that sacrifice and that burnt offering. And that provision here, the floods happen. I mean, you think about God in the Garden of Eden. When Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden, what did he set? He set the cherub in front of the tree of life. Okay? In Genesis 4, it's called the way. There, so Adam and Eve teach Cain and Abel, and mankind really knows to bring what, uh, what to bring sacrifice-wise, where to go, when to do it, what to offer. They come. But that's before the flood. After the flood, all that's gone. So now the way of God is going to be different. It isn't going to be going over here to 
the, the tree of life in the garden. Now it's going to be with a burnt offering. And which way does the smoke go on the burnt offering? It's going up. So now the way to God is up. They're up into God's per- presence. Heave offering. You, you read that? He, heave, not uh, you know, heaving over in the corner like you can't, you know, dinner was bad. Heave. You pick it up and you, you toss it. You, you bring it up. You see, that, that's where they're at. You're bringing it up to God. Noah and Abraham, I, I, I'm sorry, Noah, Ab- they're the first ones that do this. But with Moses, now we have something new. Now we have a sin problem. Now we have a, a sin offering, a trespass offering. There's a new area now, Leviticus 4, if you look there at verse 2. If a soul shall sin through ignorance against any of the commandments of the Lord. If you violate the law, the Exodus 19, Exodus 24, Moses gave them the law. He's bound them to it. They've done the covenant thing. Now, what is sin? Well, what First John tell us? Sin is a transgression of the law. So the issue of sin now is on the scene. Now, come back to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Romans 3, verse 19. Romans 3, verse 19. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law, that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Guilty for what? Sin. Okay, that's the issue. Verse 20, therefore by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Come over to chapter 5 of Romans. Why do they sin? They have a sin nature. Romans 5 verse 12, wherefore as by one man sin entered into the world, and death by sin, so death passed upon all men, for that all have sinned. Why do they sin? They have a sin nature. Why? All have sinned. Verse 13. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed where there is no law. So sin wasn't being imputed to man. Then sin becomes imputed to Israel. Why? Because Moses gave them the law. The law comes along. Now you're going to come over here and you're going to lay your hand on an animal. You're going to give the animal, you're going to impute your sin to the animal. You're going to take the animal over here and you're going to sacrifice him. And then you're going to go do the steps in Leviticus 4. So go back to Leviticus 4. By by the way, verse 14, 514, Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over them that had not sinned after the similitude of Adam's transgression. What was the similitude of Adam's transgression? He violated the commandment of God. The commandment of God to Adam was eat everything but of this one tree. Don't eat of that tree. And he broke that law. He crossed the no trespassing line. Who is the figure of him that was to come? So law, no law. You don't violate the commandment like Adam did. Now we've got the law. Go back there to Leviticus 4. Now you've got the law. 
And what happens is, is now you have a violation of the law. And because of that violation, so now you have a sin offering and you're going to have a trespass offering and they're, going to, they're designed to come in and deal with your sin nature and then that results in the sins, the activity of it, the fruit of it. So now you've got the law in place. The first three, Abraham, you know, God, Abraham does the sacrifice, God's accepted it. And, you know, Abraham's not doing it because he knows the law. He's doing it because that's, and that's that burnt offering, that meal, that peace offering. 4.3, Leviticus 4.3. Now you have an issue. Now you got the law. If the priest that is anointed do sin according to the sin of the people. Now here's a priest that did what? Sinned. He trespassed. Then let him bring for his sin, which he has sinned, a young bullock without blemish unto the Lord for a sin offering. The sin, the ver- the fruit of the action here. You see, the sin offering is dealing with the sin. It deals with the sin that caused the sinning. Verse 4, He shall bring the bullock unto the door of the tabernacle of the congregation before the Lord, and shall lay his hand upon the bullock's head and kill the bullock before the Lord. Again, where are we at? Door of the tabernacle of the congregation. And the priest that is anointed shall take of the bullock's blood and bring it to the tabernacle of the congregation. And the, pri- he's going to bring, and the priest shall dip his fingers in the blood and sprinkle of the blood seven times before the Lord, before the veil of the sanctuary. Now we're, mo- now we're out here. We do the killing out here. Now we're moving into the presence of the Lord. Verse, by the way, seven times. Verse 7, the priest shall put some of the blood upon the horns of the altar of a sweet incense. What, what sits right in front of the veil? That incense, the burning of the incense. Before the congregation and shall pour all the blood of the bullock at the bottom of the altar of the burnt offering, which is at the door of the tabernacle of the congregation. So you're going to put some here, and you're going to put it other here. Drop down to verse 10. And it was taken off from the bullock of the sacrifice of peace offering, and the priest shall burn them upon the altar of the burnt offering, and the skin of the bullock and all his flesh and his head with his legs and his inwards and his dung, even the whole bullock shall, be, shall he carry forth without the camp unto a clean place where the ashes are poured out and burn him on the wood where the fire, where the ashes are poured out, shall he, he be burnt. And if the whole congregation of Israel sin through ignorance, and then he does this, and he just on and on, where they, they're burning it, they're going to burn it up outside the camp. And again, why was Christ, he was killed outside the camp. Leviticus 5, here's the trespass offering. This is paying the debt. This is him being our sin. This is him being numbered with the transgression. He's the just for the unjust, taking care of the sin debt. The sin offering, by the way, if you couldn't afford the offering, remember what you could do? You could go get that turtle doves. There in chapter 5, verse 7, if he be not able to bring a lamb 
Then he shall bring for his trespass, which he hath committed, two turtle doves or two young pigeons unto the Lord, one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. No one is excluded. That's the point. Okay? Again, what are we going to do here? We're going to do the trespass. They're going to do the sacrifice, which is an interesting thing. If you look down at verse 14, the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, 514, If a soul commit a trespass and sin through ignorance in the holy things of the Lord, then he shall bring for his trespass unto the Lord a ram without blemish out of the flocks, and with thy estimation by shekels of silver, after the shekel of the sanctuary for a trespass offering. And he shall make amends for the harm that he hath done in the holy things, and shall add the fifth part, 20%, thereto, and give it unto the priest. And the priest will make an atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering, and it shall be forgiven him. It's interesting that with the trespass, there's money involved. And there's money in here to, to, to uh, rectify the situation of the ignorance. You remember when Nathan and David were talking, and they were talking about the, the guy goes and takes the lamb, and he says you're gonna, he's going to restore it how many times? Remember? Fourfold. Four, there, th that's over here in the courts. But here we're in the tabernacle, and it's a fifth part. It's 20 more percent. I, I love the fact that it's the shekel of the sanctuary. This is God's money. This isn't, well, maybe it's a plug nickel or a real nickel. We don't know. This is, no, this is what it is. And there's, a, and there's a really interesting thing here about the money, and that completes the restoration. What did Paul says in Romans 8? He's freely given us all things. Freely. There's no, he's made all of the restoration. He's made all of the redemptive payments. There's nothing left loose. And by the time now you get through the end here, and, and by the way, you can look across the page there, and you, you see some more in chapter 6, 7. You see more information on, on each of these offerings and, and, and the circumstances. Now, come back to Mark 15. We got just a few more minutes before the hour is up. Now, what's interesting here is in Mark 15, the statement, again with Matthew 27, the Eloi Eloi and the Eli Eli, the two different words, the reason that they're different is the different, the two different perspectives. Matthew, the trespass, the government official. The, the actions, here it is. But the second one here in Mark, here's, here's the, the sin offering. Here's the nature of. Here's where these things are coming from. And again, he gave his soul an offering for sin. And that's literally what's happening here and what's transpiring. If you think about Romans, which is hard not to think about Romans 3, Romans 3.24, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. There's the sin offering. 
Verse 25, whom God has set forth to be a propitiation through faith in his blood. There's the trespass offering. To declare his righteousness for the remissions of sins. There's the, the activity that are passed through the forbearance of God. To declare, I say at this time, his righteousness, that he might be just and the justifier of him which believeth in Jesus. That Paul comes in and just shines that big old fill in all the, get rid of all the shadows and the doubts, spotlight. Yet God has, what is, they've been working, they know what's coming. God the Father does. The Son, he's right there with them, and, and that voluntarily doing it, he chose. He humbles himself. He, he, he himself becomes obedient. He's doing this, and it's pictured in these sacrifices. So when you come back to Mark 15, verse 34, and at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which is being interpreted, My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? That quote out of Psalms 22 is, There he is as that sin offering. And there he stands, pure, clean, you know, you're far from me, you hear me roaring, you're not answering me, what's going on? Well, I'm a worm and not a man. I, you're holy God, I can't look, and here's my condition. So I didn't want to just run through this and not catch the two different words, but why. And the why is these offerings, the sacrifices, the trespass and the sin. And you get them together there and, and you can see, hopefully, a little better what's transpiring. Everything in the Old Testament is a dress rehearsal for the real deal. The real deal of Calvary, the real Passover lamb. Here he is, boom. All of that other back there is nothing but pictures and types and this and that. That's why it's Leviticus 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. And then in 6 and 7, there's addendums to each little section. You go over to Numbers and you read stuff. And it's like, okay, but here, here's this picture of. So when Israel is wandering in the wilderness, it is a picture of what they're gonna, what's going to happen to them in the 70th week of Daniel. When you see Job and all that going on with Job, it is a picture of what the little flock's going to go through with the adversary in the 70th week of Daniel. When you come over here and you see the, and you see the Jehovah statements, there's a picture of what's going to happen in the wilderness when he comes back before the 70th week of Daniel. When you see all of this happening over here, it's the picture of the great event at the end, see? When Job, at the end of Job, and he's restored and everything's restored back, there's the new covenant and the millennial king, and there's just constant picturing. And what Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John do is they say, okay, you see all that picturing? Here he is. In Acts 2, when the day of Pentecost is fully come, it's fulfilled. It's never to be fulfilled again. It's done. Now, they're going to go on in their ceremonial issues and do it, but in, in type, here's a picture back here. It's done. It's never to be, again, the three uh, calendar events left to come, trumpets, atonements, and uh, tabernacles. That it, that's second coming, and that's kingdom, and then those are done, never to be repeated as far as it being needed to be fulfilled. It is done. The blood of bulls and goats can't get it done, but Calvary has accomplished it all. And that's literally what Mark's doing here. He's, he's filling in all of that information. It's done. 
Okay? Now, we'll start in verse 35 and finish the chapter and chapter 16 next week. We'll be done. No, just kidding. I wish. Okay? No, we will start at 35 and hopefully try to finish chapter 15. Okay? Because it gets to be pretty straightforward uh, with these events. All right? But just see what's happening here. Why one's Eli and one's Eloi with the O. Okay? And again, it's those perspectives. All right? Dear Holy Father, we thank you for the evening, Lord. We thank you for your word. Thank you for the look into these things and to see what was all being accomplished at Calvary in this, in this dire moment in the darkness when our Lord makes this cry and then gives up the ghost and then he's resurrected. And we thank you for that and everything we say and do will be for your honor and your glory. In your name we pray. Amen.